This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome back to Culture Code. Our guest today is the Chief People Officer at HackerOne, Dawn Mitchell. Dawn, welcome. And where are you joining us from today? Thank you. I'm right outside of D.C. in the Northern Virginia area. Normally, I'm your neighbor just outside Philadelphia, but I've been in California for a while. So I think my weather's been a little bit better than the Mid-Atlantic, but I hear it's not too bad right now. No, it's a beautiful fall day. It's gorgeous outside. So I am excited to talk about company culture, but I think for a lot of people, especially if they're outside the the tech industry, they might not be familiar with HackerOne, which is a pretty unique company. So tell us about the organization. I'm happy to. So I would call us a scale up. We're around 400 or so employees, and our mission is to make the internet a safer place. So we pinpoint the most critical security flaws across an organization's attack service with continual adversarial testing using ethical hackers to outmatch cyber criminals. And I know that might be a mouthful, but the key piece there is the ethical hackers. In my opinion, it's our secret sauce. We work with that community to identify vulnerabilities for our customer and just the inherent diversity within our hacking community is so powerful when you're thinking about the systems and the tooling that has inherent bias, right? Internally within a team. And then you get to use this army of ethical hackers to find your vulnerabilities before a bad guy does. Brilliant approach. Brilliant approach. Now, you said there are about 400 uh, colleagues. Is that right? That's right. Are you uh, fully remote, hybrid? Where does everybody work? We're digital first and specific on that term. We're digital first, not digital only. For some people, they need to be in an office. So we do leverage. We work all access. For others, they can comfortably work from home. But we really strive to make our work as async as possible to harness the ability to hire. We're currently in 16 countries. And so it allows us access to a huge network of talent. 16 countries, 400 people, digital first. That's a lot when it comes to intentionally crafting and preserving a thriving culture. But before we get into the tactics, like how would you describe culture at HackerOne? So it's our values, and I mean that fully. It's been so refreshing over 18 months to work at a company that lives them. It's not lip service. It shows up in how we hire and how we do our performance management. And so our values, probably from my favorite, as number one is they are default to disclosure, win as a team, lead with integrity, execute with excellence and respect all people. That's great. I'm curious, how long have you been in the organization now, you said? Yeah, 18 months. 18 months. When you onboarded yourself, what was your experience like with these values? You know, did you go through an onboarding experience and is it similar to what you're now doing with new joiners? Yes. In the interview process, I was lovingly yet aggressively evaluated for default to disclosure because I think in the HR function, That's atypical, but I had the fortune of starting my career in a company that also had a value and truly lived it. And it was ever present first week. We have a weekly AMA. So every Thursday, the whole company gets together. And I was asked a really hard question four days in. It's no holds bar. The whole executive team is there. We have a really good format for passing through kind of business context, but we keep it open-ended. And so I knew what I 
was walking into, but that was such an aha moment of, okay, no, this is really default disclosure across the board. Doesn't mean you have to know the answer, but you have to be present and willing to collaborate in a really open way. I love this. And just for our listeners, I mean, the default to disclosure, that's such a unique value. I mean, I've had a lot of these conversations and I haven't heard that uh, as a value before, you know, in the, in the way it's phrased. The other thing that my ears, you know, really uh, perked up with, you, you talked about lovingly and aggressively. And I often talk about the duality of leadership, how, you know, if you're giving someone feedback, it's got to be really direct, but also with care, you know? And so it's this balance, right? Yes, that's right. You're a fan of probably uh, Radical Candor, the book and the the practices, right? I am. I like I was recently actually re-listening to the book and she has a new foreword. Um, and the phrase is compassionate candor, which I like a little bit better. Compassionate candor. There yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. So you already sort of answered my my question, but I didn't ask it as formally. Are there other specific things that you're doing to foster this unique culture uh, among among all of your colleagues globally? Yeah. Work is day-to-day, 24-7, and a digital first with the spread of 16 countries. So while we get together once a week in that format, the AMA Slack channel is open all week. So it is a constant back-and-forth dialogue. We have a culture of innovation that helps foster a lot of the kind of values and genius that comes out of HackerOne, and we do that through an annual hack week. So where we kind of put work aside and we focus on what we think is going to move the needle. And I do think that digital first workplace, the strive for async work, the trust in employees to prioritize really lets them do their best work, right? They know that it's about output. It's not about showing face or being present just to be present. It's about being present and making an impact. I mean, I'm passionate about all things culture, but I'm really a hot button issue for me is the frontline leaders because they're the filter of everything, right? You could join a great company, great CEO, great mission, vision, values, but if you report to a a less than great leader, that's gonna be that filter. I talk to a lot of chief people officers in big companies who have entire teams devoted to leadership development and manager support. Your 400-ish colleagues, which uh, I'm assuming you don't have all the resources that maybe larger companies have. So how are you supporting your frontline leaders? I love this question because I think HR is best delivered through people leaders, not through HR. Mm. Our role is to prop them up to be that person. So this was probably the biggest chunk of work along with um, something else, a team one approach. But the biggest chunk that I focused on probably over the past 18 months was establishing a relationship from the people team to our leaders and giving them resources. So we've done a couple of things. Every month we bring all people leaders together with a um, call that we reference as LEAD. The acronym is Leadership Engagement, Alignment, and Development. And so these are intended to be topics that are relevant just in time. So they're getting the information either just as an awareness or an opportunity to give feedback before we roll something out more broadly. We do uh, training in those sessions. So we'll break people out into functions. And the lead for that is a member of my team. Her name is Pamela Greenberg. She leads our talent strategy functions. This is another element that I'm proud of for the people leaders here. We aren't as big as other companies, and you're probably more familiar with an HR business partner role. What I found with that role at a size like Hacker Ones is more of the request end up being learning and development oriented. And so having a pass through, and not to say that that's the only focus of that role, but it can at times be, didn't feel like the best use of our resources. So we combined those two disciplines and we have a team of talent strategy partners that do both your traditional HR business partner work and L&D. And so they really have kind of real time context from leaders to apply to 
things like lead. And recently they launched an immersive leadership program where we're bringing together cohorts of leaders to do some real-time training. The other thing I could appoint or I could point to is our extended leadership team. So these are directs to C-suite. We have opened up a Slack channel with them. We also meet with them monthly. And that's really interesting because it's two-way. So it's not top-down. It's not the executive team kind of talking to them as much as it's creating a forum for discussion, tracking along to our OKRs and what's critical from a business perspective. But it gets back to that model that we've got company-wide that's been working. And so we took that and we applied it to that layer as well. I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's a good reminder, I think really for companies of any size that management development doesn't have to look like um, sending everyone to situational leadership workshop or those traditional things. Getting cohorts together on a monthly cadence, you know, a known uh, frequent cadence to talk about the issues at hand, maybe for some learning, maybe for some peer connection, doesn't have to take a lot of time or money. It doesn't mean it's easy to pull off, but it doesn't have to be that formalized, classic management training program approach either. So I, I applaud you on that. Thank you. Yeah, leveraging the strengths of each other. That's, we try to do that in a lot of the leadership work. You mentioned the frequent uh, AMAs, and I'm sure you get a good understanding qualitatively what's on people's minds and their, their concerns. Are you doing other things to gather feedback from the employees, employee voice surveys or things of that nature? Yeah, we do an engagement survey twice a year, which is really helpful. And we've got a lot of good output. We're thoughtful on the timing. We round up and are very honest. We default to disclosure with the results. We talk about the work that we're doing to impact those results in a positive manner. And we see that throughout teams. So we do that at a corporate level and we do that throughout departments. And we're also really present on Slack. Like in a digital first environment, you can get a little fearful of hierarchy. And so we work to be present in the business channels, but also the social channels. Mm. So that there is an accessibility from employees to leadership. And mm. we do a donut pairing, which is a feature in Slack. I think a lot of companies leverage, but I'm proud to say almost all of our executive team does it. And that is once a week, random pairing with employees. It's another great way to get that familiarity so that if there is a concern, they know and they've had a touch point with someone to feel comfortable enough to escalate it. Yeah, that's great. I love this combination of both the official every six months is an engagement survey. Let's gather some of this quantifiable data, one to five scale or whatever it happens to be. But then that doesn't replace the need to have a lot of conversations, uh, you know, across the levels. Yeah. You've already shared so many cool programs, but is there anything in particular that you're most proud of or that you want to put the spotlight on that you're doing for, uh, related to culture? Yeah, I think the thing I'm most proud of, and this actually came out of the engagement survey, there was one completed right before I joined. And trust in executive leadership, that factor was particularly low, which was concerning for me. Or digital first, um, if you can't see and you don't trust, like how do you know you're marching towards the right thing? And when big things happen, you've got to have that faith in the executive team. And so we collectively decided to move forward with a concept called Team One. The root of it is a book called The Advantage by Pat Lencioni. You're probably familiar with Five Dysfunctions of a Team. This is kind of a build off of that. And it's all around team health, organizational health, which is building clarity around what your mission is and then over communicating it. And when I say we invested, we started a partnership with their consulting firm, The Table Group. It was exciting for me to see the business see this as a critical expense. And the engagement survey a year after that, that factor went up, I want to say 13 points, which is fantastic. Wow. And it has really sharpened the work that we do as an executive team, which I think is critical because 
that flows throughout an organization. If there isn't trust and health and a mentality where each executive puts their functional hat aside and joins a conversation with the CEO mindset, because inevitably there are gives and gets in that dynamic, it trickles down and it can create silos and unhealthy behaviors. So that's the work I'm most proud of. And that's ongoing work, just constant working out that muscle, but it's been really refreshing. And I hope our listeners heard, uh, Dawn, that you said over-communicate, not just communicate, over-communicate, right? Yes, chief reminding officers. That's what we all are. So you can't say it once. You have to say it about 15 times and in 15 different. Yeah, I had an old boss and mentor years ago who said, when it comes to reminding, over-communicating, he said, if your team members aren't making fun of you behind your back over you saying this often, you're not saying it often enough. Your goal is to get made fun of for how often you're talking about mission, vision, and the values. I love that. So this is a short format podcast. And I mean, I'd love to talk forever about these things, but I've got um, some faster, fun questions for you. Starting with, imagine that you could send to all 400 plus colleagues a book, a podcast, any kind of piece of media. Maybe it's a Netflix series, I don't know. And everyone promised you that they would consume it, they would take it to heart. What would you send everyone? Can I say two? Please, the more the better. The first one would be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Rules. And this is just a great way to think about life, both inside and outside of work. And those agreements are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And then the second book would be The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And I love this book. It's short, powerful stories around overcoming obstacles, whether they be mental, physical, emotional, or perceived. And I think both are great tools when you think about success and whatever that looks like to you. I didn't know you were a stoic. It's coming out though, if you like that book, huh? I like that book, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great books. I love both of those myself. Shifting it a little bit, if you think about your career, you know, what's something that you know today, something that you believe in today that maybe you wish you had known on day one? You know, how have you evolved? What's advice to a younger version of yourself? I wish I knew how heavy the role is. Mm. You carry the emotions of people, of big decisions. It's also can be really isolating because at times you're carrying information that you're not sharing with the CEO or the rest of the executive team. And so build your network. If this is a role that you want to have, you've got to have a network of peers outside of the organization. And this probably is very ever-present for me because I stepped into this right before COVID, very Mm. heavy time, and the events after that. But I would argue in general, this role is that, more so than a lot of roles on the evening. It's so important. I, I mean, I have felt that chief people officers, senior HR folks, it's always a tough job. I mean, it's really, you're, you're talking about the most personal stuff with lives or in the pressures of recruiting, mental health issues, occasionally right-sizing an organization, like hard, hard work. And then COVID hits. It's like, oh, you thought it was hard before? Just wait till you see what I'm gonna throw at you the next few years. And what I really liked, as you said, it's not just a peer group. It's not just people to talk to or to empathize with internally, it's outside the organization as well. You really need uh, your own support system, right? Yes, that's just critical to maintaining balance and not feeling like you're in an echo chamber and getting that foot in reality when you might not feel like you can do it yourself. Yeah, so with all the craziness that continues uh, to go on and the success of, of HackerOne, what's something that you plan to focus on in the year ahead? What's a priority for your team in 2024? It's more of a theme. We're going to break some stuff. So 
we, we built a really solid foundation. I feel like over the past 18 months, we were lacking some tooling, processes, automation. And as a digital first company with a leadership team that's so bought into the future of work, I cannot wait to innovate more. So we're looking at rethinking engagement surveys, our review cycle, what an OKR process means to roles and potentially a sprint model when we think about responsibilities, recognition. So just across the board, we're it's time to go a little crazy. And I know you haven't actually done the work yet, but I think for um, our listeners who are outside of tech, they might not be as familiar with an OKR approach to goal setting and or what sprints are. Can you talk a little bit about what you're thinking in that area? I'm happy to. And I speak to the knowledge I have of sprints. I've been <laughs> in tech my career, but... The OKR process is a way of goal setting, objectives, and key results that starts at the top and tends to cascade down. And it focuses on what's critical for the company that year. So it doesn't encompass the entirety of your role, but it's meant to keep everybody focused on what's going to move the needle. And the sprint process that I'm referencing is really just having smart milestones, right? So we're sprinting towards this body of work. We get there, we review. If we need to go back, we will, but we're on to the next. And the one bit of feedback we've gotten recently is the uncertainty of what they should be, what employee, what yeah, employees should be focusing on, what's critical to the company's success, their success. And I wonder if we were to break it out into smaller chunks and really think about a sprint model that tied to our review process. I think it might give a bit more clarity and allow us to move faster and eliminate some of that uncertainty. So it's still a very infant idea, but we're excited yeah. about changing some things. And I'm excited to hear in the future uh, how that turns out. Uh, a lot of my work and books have been in personal development and that concept, I've seen the power personally where, you know, if you set an annual goal, you know, I have a new year's resolution that over the next 12 months, I'm going to achieve X. Okay. But how many of us are still working on that on February 1st, right? But if all of a sudden to say, you know what, I'm going to shrink my year, my goal to a quarter, you know, I'm going to think about the year in a 12-week sprint, all of a sudden your behaviors change a little bit. So I could see that that could have a lot of power, you know, organizationally as well. With everything that's going on at Hacker One, what do you find most exciting right now? I mean, one of the initial draws was the uniqueness of what we do and building a category. And so the excitement for me is the recognition in the industry that we're more than a bug bounty program, that we're really becoming a platform play and customers are benefiting from the full suite of offerings. So that truly is fun to be a part of creating a market in that sense. And then the people. I just thoroughly enjoy the culture and the way it has attracted some of the people that I get to work with. It's such a lovely, lovely environment with a lot of extremely talented people. That's great. Well, the organization is doing um, very, very important work. Obviously, um, we at LeadX, you know, with our software, use these services and they are critical. So thanks for the great work your organization's doing. And thanks for your time today on a Friday. The, we're doing this recording on a Friday afternoon. East Coast, it's late. So hopefully you've got a good weekend set of plans, but I'm grateful for the time. I appreciate the offer. I love talking about HackerOne and all things people. So thank you. Thanks, Don. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, 
sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org. Thank you.